Well, welcome everybody to another episode of Forever Bristol City podcast. The unbeaten start to 2023 continues. Six games now. Two in the cup, four in the league, six points from the league games. That's 1.5 points per game, which uh, should be enough. But, um, you know, it was a game we should have won yesterday. The final score, City won, Blackburn won. I put 20 quid on, five to two. So uh, I really wanted City to win. But when it won one, my betting account, which hadn't been used for about 18 months, had 70 quid put back into it. So uh, I've no complaints. Joining me today are Ian and father and son duo, Neil and Tom. Uh, morning, chaps. Are we, uh, are we feeling pretty chipper this morning? Well, I'd, I'm, I said in the podcast uh, after West Brom, I think, I would look at the next two home games and if we were taking four points from it, then... Um, You'd be reasonably happy, wouldn't you? Four points yeah, on the two so. games. Yeah. No, Tom, you you f- feel positive after yesterday? Feel positive. Um, I feel like that's the performance that we, you know, this cons- consistency of performance is what we've wanted all season. Instead mm-hmm. of the ebbs and flows of earlier in the season when we play well one game and then, you know, physically and technically we'd be off the next. So I think, uh, yeah, happy about the result yesterday. Yeah, and what about what about you, uh, Ian? Um, I mean, t- a lot of draws in there, but the, the unbeaten runs can continues. Yeah, and it coincides with that change in formation. Happened by chance, perhaps. Well, I think it did because of the lack of availability of of Weiman, who was shoehorned into the team anywhere just so he played, and I think that was wrong. Um, I disagree slightly about the performance. I think the performance level dropped off from last week, particularly in the first half. I think Blackburn had done their homework uh, homework on us. And campering, they kept campering out the game. Every time he got the ball and started to move, he was surrounded by three players. And that stopped a lot of what you might call the creativity, the crosses. We were okay for about, I don't know if you threw it all together, about five to eight minutes of the first half. Uh, I don't think Blackburn were any uh, were any better than us or any more any more dangerous. But the first half uh, bored me a little bit. Uh, the second half, the last thirty minutes, I thought we were quite good. Uh, okay. We got on the front foot. We played with some pace. We we looked it, and and the positives for me were yes, it continues the unbeaten run. I I prefer, if anything, to do what Blackburn have done and and not draw any games until yesterday, and. Um, the unbeaten run, and we're a point clearer of the bottom three. So, yeah. every, as, as they say, every little helps, and um, that's that's where I would I would place yesterday's performance. I don't think we we did we didn't do quite enough to win it. Although some people have seen the goal um, played back, Bell's goal, and said they thought he was onside. So, right. if we got that decision and we didn't get another penalty yesterday, when perhaps we should have then yes, we can say we were hard done by. Yeah. Okay, Neil, um, we didn't do a pod after the Swansea game, but it was a good result over there. Swansea do what they do, passing themselves uh, to death. And good to see Sam Bell uh, get the winning goal in uh, in that one. I think he did the assist as well. But the side, it, it picked itself really. It's, 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 it's this 4-3-3, whichever way. I mean, there's variations on that, but it looks... Four three three, and you know he wasn't going to bring Bell in in place of uh, Sykes, really, was he? On the, in the starting eleven, it's always good to keep a settled side. Yeah, um, our energy levels are good, aren't they? Our fitness mm. levels to have the three teams playing 
<clears throat> three long. Let's not forget that was extra time as well on Tuesday. And um, our energy levels are really well. I, I know that we'll get to possible substitutions in yesterday's game and everything in due course. But the, um, yeah, I mean, but as Ian says, we haven't got too many options, have we? So, no. uh, but when you're winning and when you're not losing and when your confidence is not too bad, then um, you, you want to play, don't you? So you play through that tiredness. It's when, it's when you're losing and when your confidence is low, that's when your tiredness and fatigue tends to uh, come to the fore, isn't it? Definitely. And I think, um, you know, the confidence is back and with confidence maybe comes that extra bit being on uh, on your toes. Um, Tom, Blackburn, uh, funny side, uh, you know, at one stage when we were 1-0 up, we were only seven points behind them and you sort of dare to dream and think, oh, if we throw four wins in a row together, we could be right up there. And we're still only 10 points off the bloody playoffs, but I think we've got to run out of games. But one of their star players, he had the game's um, first chance and you'd have backed him to put that away, Brereton Diaz. I mean, it was uh, he, he skied it well over early on in the game, didn't he? Yeah, I mean that was within four minutes. I mean Hedges has put the ball back post, and I think that Brereton Diaz has just run off the blind side of of Tanner back post, and Tanner's obviously gone to mark the man. I think it was Dak occupying him and Viner, and from what must have been six yards at most, um, he's he's blazed it over, and I think. That was the one shot of the whole of the first half, which I found interesting, but arguably the most dangerous tackle game. So, you know, for a player of his quality and, you know, it looks like he's going abroad uh, to La Liga in summer, you'd really back him to to bury that. To put that in the back of the net, yeah. Ian, you said the first half was uh, a bit boring. It was a bit stale and I thought we started, well, the first five minutes, but then... We sort of let Blackburn back into it, but we didn't, other than Brereton Diaz, they didn't have anything the first half. And then there was that header that Naki put in, but that was offside, wasn't it? Even if it had gone in, yes. Did you, uh, any other recollections of the first half worthy of note? Probably only, not. Only that one. I think that came from our one decent set piece of the game. Um, yeah. I thought that that was something that annoyed me yesterday. That It seems whoever takes our set pieces, there's some sort of curse hanging over it. And we don't take many. We must be one of the worst sides in the division with attacking set pieces. I haven't got a stat in front of me or anything like that. But our, our, the delivery of our set pieces is terrible. But I, I got to agree with you. I got to agree with you 100% there, because I forgot to mention, you know, we had that ideal one when Naismith had it. It was within shooting distance and it, it was just appalling, as indeed were the corners, all the corners, you know. And why? Yeah. why is that? Because these are two of our so-called best players yeah creative players experienced players i mean it is crap isn't it i'll ask the other guys that as well but you know corners you know it never clears the first man and in the old days dave rennie used to run to the near post and backhead it on but there's nobody looking for the misplaced kick to the near post or is that part of the plan and then when it does get sometimes we even do the short corner and get the the cross doesn't cause any problems at all does it no, well, you're addressing that, you? <laughs> no, still, still in, and I'm going to ask, say the same thing to you. Oh, you, you. You might as well ask ask Neil and Tom because you've covered it. Yeah, there you go. Oh, well, I've covered it. There we go. Well, you covered. Uh, yeah, uh, Neil, dead balls, not good enough. Agreed. Yeah, that that um, that Naki Wells chance. Um, it it wasn't offside. He gave it for a foul, I think, after after the ball had been cleared or something like that. 
because mm. it was on. It was a good save by Kaminsky. Well, straight at him. But it wasn't, as Ian makes a very valid point about our set-piece delivery, that was actually an awful corner by James. And it got headed out, and it was his second ball in from James. It was actually quite decent. Mm. But yesterday, God, it was awful, Dave, wasn't it? All <laughs> it was, of them. First and second half. It wasn't well, just... I, I look at it, I look at it, and I go, right, you've got Matty James. Mm, not really happening. We've got Naismith. Naismith can put a good cross. No, not really happening. Then you think... Scott, Scott, highly rated, yeah, technical player, not really happening. And then you just think, God, is there nobody in this side that can actually whip a cross, a corner, a free kick, whatever, in a bit of pace? Circa like um, Tom just spoke about with uh, Breds and Diaz, you know? Yeah. And, and, it, and in a way, we haven't had anybody like that since Eliasson, have we? No, no, that's very true. Tom, I mean, you play, you play football to a decent local standard um what what you know do you have people in your team that do they vary their kicking do you play it near post or far post i think you're a defender rather than uh, yeah. uh, an attacker but t t what do you think is wrong and tell me how you play set plays like that from the corners never mind free kicks because each one's in a different position well you, you need to vary it and what we've seen recently and it's not just been this game uh, it's been games, I'd say, argue, since the Rotherham game, where we, we just really lack at set pieces and we're never beating the first man. And it, it's becoming predictable for sides now who will just load the front post because they know it's not going to beat the first man. So they know if they get the first contact on it, then the set piece is cleared. Um, so you do need to vary corners. Like you say, free kicks all different. But if it's not working with one person, then you change to the corner kick taker. You don't persist with the failed set pieces and just hope one eventually works. At the start of the season, I mean, remember against Cardiff, we scored a few set pieces. And where's that gone with Atkinson? Yeah. Um, so I don't understand what the problem is. What I didn't understand yesterday was Naismith at one point in the first half, got a kick on the left foot and then over to take it on his left foot. And it was rolling along the ground. And it's like, can Campering not go over and take the ball off him? Another yeah. left-footed player. So yeah. this persistence is a, a bit annoying, really, with set pieces. Yeah. Into the second uh, half, uh, Ian. And, um, I mean, Semenyo, yeah, he's on form a bit, but he had a... T tell us about that chance that he had, because some people in the ground thought it had gone in. And he, he wasn't holding back Semenyo at all. I didn't see him shirking out of any uh, tackles at all. But take us through that uh, chance at the start of the second half that uh, should have... Uh... Well, shortly after they scored, Semenyo burst through in the, the left channel. He had a left-footed shot. He should have gone across the goalkeeper. And he went an arrow angle and blutered it into the side netting. Lots of power, but no direction. And not a very... I mean, don't get me wrong, if it had gone in, it would look fantastic. But in that situation, you get the ball across the keeper towards the far, far corner. So if he gets a hand to it and pushes it out, someone's going to run and have a tap in, you hope. Um, so I, that that wasn't very, that was just, wasn't very bright. Simple as that. Yeah. But his overall play, I mean, he didn't look like a guy, and we'll talk about chanterers in general. He didn't look like a guy that was, uh, you know, sort of trying to keep his powder dry, so to speak, by not getting involved. You know, it was good good commitment for him uh, in what was probably a, a, a difficult week or if you're going to go from, is, I don't know, eight to 50 grand a week, it's not a difficult week, is it? Well, it is, learning out how to spend it. But uh, <laughs> could be his last, uh, it could be his last game for the club. Um, in fact, I 
if if I was a betting man, I think it would be. Yeah. So, uh, he, no, he, he he signed off if that is his last game. Um, and I don't know. I just think. Um, I think he signed off signed off well. Got a goal. Uh, possibly could have could have done some more, particularly in the first half. But Blackburn were playing a very low block when they were defending, especially when the guy went off. And clubs find that good teams find that difficult to play through. Never mind us. Yeah. Um, so no, it, it, it was a, it was a difficult. Um, it could have been a difficult afternoon, but I think he showed a lot of professionalism and maturity yeah. for a young man. And yeah. um, I, you know, if he goes, I, I I wish him well, providing the club gets the right amount of money. Because yeah. um, no doubt we'll get when we get on to transfers, we'll talk about. Uh, I think we're in line for a points deduction in um, 23-24. Yeah, I was going to talk about that. Yeah, so I was no going to talk about that as well. Yeah, talk no about doubt that we'll, speak, we'll speak about that. We will. We will. Um, Neil, uh, I can't get the order of this. Was a penalty appeal before or after their goal? You've got a chronology. We haven't done their goal yet, Dave. No, I know. So it was after their goal. All right, right I'm going to come to you about their goal then, Neil. Bradley Dack, more famous these days for being uh, the uh, squeeze, or she's his squeeze, uh, Olivia Atwood of Love Island and uh, Z-list celebrity uh, fame. A player linked with us early in his career when he was at uh, Gillingham. But um, <clears throat> good goal, tidy finish, or defence a little bit caught napping? What did you think? Well, fortunately, there's been some extended highlights, so I've been able to refresh my memory before coming on the podcast. Pring gets caught a little bit upfield on the break, and they break through, but ultimately, I think the culpability is with Naismith, looking at it. Um, Tyler Morton goes on Naismith's blindside, makes yeah. a run deep, um, because Pring is slightly upfield, Atkinson gets drawn out. But what Naismith does, Naismith does that, that Andy Vyman thing that annoys me to hell with points, you know. Point is focusing on what other people should do. So he points and tells Atkinson to go across. Atkinson goes across, covering on the left. And then by Naismith focusing on what Atkinson's doing, he's switched off from, from Morton coming on his blind side, make mm. run. And then, of course, Zach is in the really difficult position i know tom's got a view on this as well of you know do you stay with your man or do you go deep and it was intelligent movement by dak because he he drove into the box and then he stopped and moved out again to create the pass so it was well worked by them but ultimately it was naismith switching off for me intelligent run by mm -hmm. tyler morton who's on loan from liverpool and a lot mm -hmm. of their work goes through goes through him but naismith switched off yeah. Tom, um, you know, Naismith culpable for the goal? Naismith <clears throat> culpable, I feel. But when we, the way we lose the ball is, is Viner heading it into the midfield and then there's just a lack of challenging. We just stand mm. off them. And um, Pring, for me, I mean, I saw it at the time. I remember turning to my dad and going, Pring, Pring's jogged back in there. But they've got the ball and they're advancing on the 18-yard box and Pring's, Pring's almost walking back, which forces Atkinson to go across. And uh, like my dad says, Naismith, again, is just pointing at Atkinson. He, he tries to really express this leadership, but to what cost, you know? You can organise other people, but if you can't organise yourself, then... And it uh, loses his man, Morton, and it's the sort of goal we've been trying to score since the break, really. 
um, of just getting it back across goal, and then you've got a tap in. Yeah. Um, with Viner, it's he's in the impossible position of he can't do, do two I, things, he, can he? You can't you can't go to the ball because he originally goes for the ball and then rethinks it, um, and then realizes that Dak's behind him, so you can't stay with Dak. It's intelligent movement to go and then to come back in to give himself the yeah. space, and no. I think it's a good finish in the end. It was a, it was a tidy finish, Ian. Um, you've said on numerous occasions for all the ricks that uh, Naismith does. He makes up for it with uh, some good passing um, and just nipping back to the first half. There was that um, through ball, as you say, and similar ball to Morton where he sent it down the channel and then Naki Wells clipped it wide for, uh, uh, went for a goal kick. But back to the goal that we conceded, um, the guys have said Naismith was at fault. Tom said Pring was ambling back. How did you see it? Dave, are you talking about their yeah, goal? Yeah, I'm talking, I'm talking about their yeah, goal. How I, did you see I, totally, I totally agree with what uh, Neil and Tom said. It was it was down in Naismith. Yeah, we lost the ball at the field for, I would say, the umpteenth time. I, I didn't think our midfield were great yesterday. None of them. I thought Scott had a really quiet game. Mm. Um, and uh, with Naismith, I've, I've covered this probably every week. He is what he is. He is going to make ricks. He is going to switch off at times, which is why he's better off in midfield than in defence, but he can still cause a problem. So you either say we're a better side with him in or no, he's going to make a rick, so we have to leave him out. Now, if you leave him out, the only other midfield player, you could bring in Andy King or you could bring in Joe Williams. So in that sense, the cupboard isn't bare. And I hope we utilise these players in the FA Cup game next week. I don't think we will for a second. Um, but um, under uh, Mr. Pearson, but I, we, we need to because they need minutes. So I'd like to see Joe Williams and Andy Andy King start in midfield against West Brom next week. But like I said, and they could replace Naismith and James without necessarily weakening the side. And well, you've got them on could, the bench, so you, you could, can bring them on, can't you? You could also give Scotty a rest because we keep forgetting the kid's 19 years old. Yeah. Um, so he might benefit from, I don't say throw him out the squad because you, you haven't got enough players. No. Um, and there is another, we'll, we'll get on to transfer activity, no, no doubt, but there is a story going around that Chris Martin's leaving next week and going into a league, going into a league one club. And apparently there are three or four in for him. That'll be interesting. Um, Neil, I've got my chronology a little bit over the pl- uh, over the place today, as you rightly pointed out. Um, no no penalty for Bristol City. That was before our equalising goal, wasn't it? Yes? And yes. if so, yeah, well, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about it. Um, was it a penalty from your book? I've seen it a couple of times on uh, you know, highlights and what have you, but um, not given by the referee? Well, we, Wrong we, spoke, right. we, we spoke about it at the game and we've subsequently spoken about it afterwards. It's a robust challenge. Naki turns to his left and the defender reads it and they did they did do quite a lot defensively. They, they read us quite well. As Ian has said, they did a homework on us and the way we're going to turn and the way we're, we're looking to move the ball. Um, and it's what I would call a robust challenge. But... I am at complete loss nowadays, Dave. What is a penalty and not a penalty? Because <laughs> well, it's never I, a penalty I, when Bristol City are concerned, is well, it? Well, I know, it, but if even the handball rule seems to be all over the place. Yeah. Um, and for me, he got a piece of Naki and a piece of the ball. 
So, but to get a piece of the ball, I think he probably would have gone through Naki. So, but it's it's not we're not we're not not going to get a margin. It's not easy to be unequivocal. It's one of those where you think it's just a robust challenge. Back in the eighties, you know, the seventies and eighties, that's a fantastic challenge. Yeah. And all the rest We're, of it. Now, is it a penalty? Isn't a penalty? It's just confusion now. And if you had VAR, that would have been a VAR decision at it Premier would, League, at, at Premier yeah. League level. And look, the fact of the matter is, the publicity that are not having a penalty has somebody's going to have to be physically assaulted to get a penalty because if there's any, a referee knowing what these people are like, they're not going to give a dubious one because it'd be, oh, you're the first person that gave a penalty to Bristol City. You know, it's got to be rock solid, like somebody, ref, a defender punching yesterday. it off the line. Yeah. The ref yesterday, uh, Tim Robinson? Off top I don't know. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't, I, he, I thought he was a bit of a twat, basically. It was, um, was a bit... Lackadaisical, wasn't he? He was like yeah. everything was done. It a bit of a when he made a decision, it was really, really whether it was cold out there. You know, he seemed to be wearing a top that was about three sizes too big for him. I know. And, and I think there's uh, a bit of the man boobs on show there. To yeah, be honest, and, but, he, uh, and he was running around, and when he made a decision, he would like jog across, and it was just I know it was all a bit lackadaisical, wasn't it? Even you know, when when he when he when, when he booked a player, he took about two or three minutes to book a player, didn't he? And get the game sort of starting again. So he's been yeah, cold yesterday. Whether it was whether he was cold, Dave. It was a very cold day. It was cold. I noticed it in the second half, particularly. Tom, you're a defender. Um, yeah, Naki Wells. You you put in a challenge like that, and you'd be disappointed if that one had been given against you. Yes. Uh, yeah, I think so. I think if that's Chris Martin instead of Naki Wells, and the challenge doesn't look as bad, I think due to Naki's size. And because I think it was uh, Wharton who um, when who made the tackle, um, I thought it was a strong tackle, um, but a fair one actually. I think I think Naki turns into him as he as he makes a tackle, which makes it look as though he's gone doing more than he has. So I think if that's Atkinson at the other end and Bradley Dack, for example, we'd all be going. That's a fantastic tackle. But you know that this lack of penalties continues, and it's it's these it's nice this, these knife edge decisions that we're not getting that maybe yeah. other clubs that are getting penalties would get. I mean, it's not for lack of appeal. We all surrounded the ref and stopped yesterday after it. It was uh, a big appeal. It was a big appeal. Ian, um, you know, referees are going to be mindful just because of the publicity that it's had. Even it's even been on Sky. They're going to be mindful about the lack of Bristol City penalties and, you know, uh, in a penalty shootout, you can't, we can't have our fair share. There was a few people on Twitter saying in midweek, if it went to penalties, we wouldn't be allowed to take ours. But, uh, you know, do you think it plays on a referee's mind that it's going to have to be a handball goalkeeper style save it to be cut and dry because they don't want to be seen as being the one that gave Bristol City their first penalty. And yesterday, was it a penalty in your book? Cause it's, you're closer to it than I was. I, I couldn't see it. it was down at the south stand and, and I sit in the dolmen. I'm in block C. So I, my opinion would be worthless on whether it was. It's a bit like asking me if Sam Bell was offside. I mean, if I see it on a TV clip, I, I can tell you. And it, it, it demonstrates why VAR should be at least in the championship as well as the Premier League. Um, and if, if you can't afford that technology, then you've got no business being in the championship. So it, it needs to come in. The referees aren't great. I don't think the referee was terrible yesterday, but I, I don't think he's, he's very good. Tim Robinson isn't a highly rated 
uh, referee and we've had problems when we've had him before. I can't remember when, when but I remember a couple of people um, it, doing the opposite of extolling his virtues. Let's put it that way. Um, mm. No, I, I don't think... It's, it's a, I don't think it's a conscious bias. If you're asking me, no one knows if it's an unconscious bias, do they? Um, so I think I think we'll get one eventually. We we have we are we are one of the teams that have got the lowest attacking stats down the centre of the pitch. So in the middle of the pitch, going into the box, uh, we've got the lowest attacking stats. Uh, sorry, seventh lowest attacking stats. That may have something to do with it. I think I think yesterday what they did, what Blackburn did really well was stop Cam Pring being as effective as he was against mm-hmm. Birmingham. And that if Cam Pring had the game yesterday that he had against Birmingham, we could have won that game three or four one. Yeah. Yeah, but they snuffed him out. Okay, uh, Neil, um the goal that we deserved in the same way that Atkinson had set up Semenyo for that chance early on in the second half. This time it was uh, born again. Zach Viner even got his new, uh, even got himself a, a chant now. And, um, you know, playing with confidence and a uh, great run through the middle. Uh, take us through the goal as you saw it. Well, the ball, the ball gets cleared by uh, Blackburn and um, he's in a little bit of a, in one situation is the furthest back and as the defender it's his newfound confidence isn't it as he comes mm. towards the ball he chips it nicely over the approaching player and then goes on a run and and Atkinson was back doing his runs as well that was Atkinson's ball through for the Semenyo yeah, chance yeah. we spoke about before but one of my big bugbears with City Dave is um, we don't shoot enough we get to the edge of the box and as Ian has said, we, we like to pass out wide, in behind and all the rest of it. But teams know we're going to do that. Yeah. So we've got opportunities. When we go down the centre, it does open up for us mm-hmm. because teams are thinking they're going to go pro- predominantly to the left. And you can see their mindset. City will, will pass it left, pass it right. We're not going to go down the centre. Mm-hmm. So a few times yesterday, we actually did advance down the centre quite well, got ourselves in positions, but didn't shoot. Yeah. Now, yesterday's goal, Viner did shoot. And all season, I've been saying, shoot, you might get a deflection, the keeper might fumble it, you might create something out of nothing. And sometimes when you're not, nothing's happening, you need creative element, don't you? I mean, Pearson's talked about getting the maverick in. You know, the maverick is somebody, nothing's happening on the pitch, and give it to the maverick and he'll do something. And yesterday... Mm-hmm. That goal was all down to Zach Viner, from my perspective. OK, complete goalkeeper in Howler, and you'd be disappointed if that was your keeper. Yeah. But Zach hadn't had that peace of mind to actually do what he did. Take a pot, no have a go. Yeah. 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 No. Just shoot. Just shoot. And it doesn't even... I'll leave Tom to go through this, this, the XG thing, because he's the analyst. But for oh, me... Tom's looked at that. Yeah, you turn it down a bit, one of you. I think it's probably in your, you, Neil, or Tom. Tom, I'm going to come to you then. The X, the XG. I mean, Viner doesn't even get an assist for that goal for his really? uh, enterprising uh, play. But uh, how did you see it, Tom? So for the goal, for our goal, um, yeah. there's a poor touch from Campering actually that sets uh, sets Viner up. He tries to bring it down, and Viner's thankfully not too far away to uh, nick the ball off him because otherwise, I think they would have been through there. But yeah, smart little chip. And then the confidence, I mean, that is very un-Zach Viner-esque. Last season, 
he would have just paused, you know, and tried to do the easy pass. But his newfound confidence is to actually try and take people on. And he actually skips past Morton, who I thought was their best player. And it's a very controlled shot, actually. It's very un Bristol City yes, because we in that position, we had it a few times yesterday where Scott tried to hit any lashes at it. When Scott's on the move, I don't think he's great at shooting. Mm. Um, but yeah, it was a very, very good shot and in the circumstances. And Kaminsky, I did feel sorry for him because it's bounced right in front of him. And it's like the Bender goal that um, Swansea conceded, where if you hit it just before the keeper's got to make a save, then it, it bounced up at any height and you can't really get firm contact on it. And thankfully, Semenyo was following in for the goal. But going back to the expected goals, the thing I worry about with Bristol City, if you look at our expected goals, we are scoring more goals than we are expected to. And that is due to the clinical nature of our shooting, but also because we don't shoot enough. Now, the issue with that is come the end of the season, it usually levels out at plus one, minus one. Currently, we are quite above that target, plus one. Um, so there's going to be games where that's going to level out. And if we stop scoring, then that's a real issue because at the start of the season, we had this gung-ho approach of score, score, score. And we sacrificed that for a bit more defensive solidity, which I prefer. Um, but without Semenyo, who's the only one scoring at the minute, I think we're going to struggle. No, that is a one. Semenyo is the one who does seem to be uh, scoring uh, all the goals. Uh, Ian, the, the goal for you, you know, again, talk about... Zach Viner, he's like a new signing. Interesting, um, Tom was just saying the ball bounced up in front of the keeper. I thought, considering they played rugby on it the night before, in a week where there'd been a lot of rain or maybe there was a bit of permafrost, but uh, talk us through the goal and the condition of the pitch, if I may say at this point. Well, the condition of the pitch was a lot better than it was against... Uh, somebody switch off their mind. Um, the goal was a lot still happening. Uh, the goal uh, was, um, I mean, the, was excellent cons considering A, they play rugby and B, the Birmingham game, it was a bit waterlogged, which actually I think did it a bit of good because it held the ball up. It didn't speed away from players when through balls went in. Um, for, when I say waterlogged, I mean for a modern pitch waterlogged, not, not like they were years ago when you're up to your ankles in mud and sand. Uh, so I think that that was excellent. Uh, Zach has been, uh, considering he was one of those under the bus and in the land of the banished, uh, Zach was, um, has been one of our players of the season. I was glad he got, he got man of the match uh, yesterday. Uh, I thought he was um, quite calm, quite assured. He, he does some nice drilled crossfield passes. They don't always go well, but uh, they, that doesn't happen for anybody in this, in this division. So, yeah, I think he, he should be pleased with uh, with his performance uh, in in that, I don't think he could have done anything about the goal. Like Tom said, he got he got you know he got caught between the devil and the deep blue sea. Do you, do you go and stop the cross, or do you mark the guy in the middle and and or and then the guy who's going to hit the cross may look up and think, well, I'll just wander in and tap it in the net. So yeah, I, I thought I thought Zach was good, and I thought the pitch for those of us that watch games years ago. I mean that that pitch is like a snooker table for yeah. me, and and so are the ones up at the up at the training ground. They're, they're excellent. I don't know if they got they've got. I don't think they've got undersoil central heating or undersoil heating. I should say not central heating. Um, but I, I thought they were. I uh, thought the pitch was excellent. 
Yeah, interesting we're talking about the pitch. It was a tribute at half-time, and it's from our era, Ian, and you'll remember the name. He was groundsman for a very long time, back in the 60s and 70s, and that was uh, Mike Lillington. Yeah, I'm sure that's a name you're familiar with, but he was, uh, I think he was groundsman down there through the Premier League uh, days. But uh, just to wrap up on the action, Neil, come to you. Two, two incidents. Um, there's the Ayala second yellow card, and then Sam Bell's, disallowed uh, goal uh, right for Ayala to go off I've seen worse challenges but there were two yellows but uh, those two incidents how did you see them well going back to Ayala's first yellow card I think that's like an orange almost wasn't it he was really high on Sykes really yeah. um, but Naki plays him so well doesn't he yeah, you know he's he's an annoying player to play against he's 5 foot 6 5 foot 7 probably 5 foot 7 isn't he he slows down, waits for Ayala to actually get too tight to him, then rolls him and Ayala pulls him back. It's a definite yellow and he's he's got to go on it, but it's all about Naki's intelligent play, actually, um, in a way in which we haven't got. I can kind of see now why we were keen to keep Naki for another two seasons, because mm. when he's on that pitch, his size it belies his intelligence and his movement, actually. So a definite second yellow, and definitely the first one was a yellow at the very least, or, you know. So he's got to go on it. Um, yeah. Do you want someone else to and deal with that? Do the disallowed goal as well while we're talking to you about it, yeah? We'll, we'll... Uh, the disallowed goal, um, I've seen... The f it's a really difficult one because it's the right back playing him on. Who, who'd be a linesman? My first impression of it, and from the photos that I looked at, I thought, yeah, he's got that right. He's about half a yard off. But then you look on the other side of the pitch... And you see the right back and you can see the right back in terms of um, inside the penalty area. And then you can see how far he's back in the penalty. And you think, God, unless there is an angle, VAR type thing, where you bring the line down, you, you're not going to call that. So I entirely understand. I don't, I don't agree with Pearson when he said the linesman was in the wrong position. I thought the linesman's in a perfect position. But for him to see across six, seven bodies to see that the right back is possibly by an absolute finest margin playing on Bell mm. is an impossible task, hence why VAR, because it's small margins, isn't it? Yeah. And, and, and with the money that's at stake in the championship, you know, VAR is a must because, you know, it's worth, I used to say the playoff game is worth 200 million. Yeah. And the actual cost of it can't be that great because if you look at the camera angles that you have, even on Robin's TV, it's, um, you know, you get lots of different views. Anyway, but as you say, VAR is a system, yeah, so it's not about... Well, even counts. even when there's goals nowadays in the Premier League, Dave, and we see it and we go, oh, that's offside or that's onside, until that line comes up, you think, oh, right, okay, sometimes you're surprised with whether it's onside or offside, aren't you? Mm -hmm. So yesterday for me, you know, the flag went straight up. He made a, a straight to say, great finish, great finish by Sam Bell. It was, uh, no, it's tidy. Yeah, but he made he made the decision and I understand why he made the decision. I don't agree with Pearson that he's in the linesman's in a bad position. Mm. Um but it's so quick, isn't it? And God, who'd be a linesman? Really? Well, who'd, be, who'd, be, who'd, be, who'd be a referee? <laughs> yeah. Um Tom, you're a defender. Um you get uh, this the guy you got Ayala got a booking fairly early on ish, I think, yeah. Um 
you, are you mindful? I'm sure, well, maybe you've never been booked, but if you get booked, do you play differently or with a bit more caution than uh, if you haven't been booked? Because you know that second yellow card for a 50-50 tackle that some referees will give and some won't. You know, if they give it and they book you, bang, you're gone. What are your thoughts on that? Oh, well, as my dad would say, I've definitely been booked before. Um, but that sort of tackle, I mean, first half, that is, that is high. And like uh, like my dad said, I think that's an orange. Um, and you know, he's trying to reason that he didn't go and with studs up. And I didn't have an issue with him not getting sent off for that. Um, but the second one, you've got to cheat. Look, the ref would have gone, look, you can't make any more of those tackles. And Wells plays him so well. He, he slows down. He, he, wait, he waits for the contact. And Ayala is just desperate. And it's a desperate tackle because he knows that Wells is through there. And... It's one of them, and I, I, I can't have any complaints. But it's that mindset of when you're on a booking, I can't afford to do that. If he's not on a booking, then he knows he can do that and take one for the team. But because he's on that booking, and he's I off. think you know he's, he's got to go for that. It's, yeah. it's definitely a second yellow. And yeah, I think they had a well. Their other yellow, I think, it was Wharton, and it was quite close to me. And I don't know whether. Tom, but it was a chest high tackle on Alex Scott. It was in the yeah. first half, but that was pretty bloody awful as well, actually. But there we go. Ian, substitutions. Um, Sykes, who I know he scored some goals, but you know, if I was gonna improve two positions in the team, get better players where you know, but it, it probably would be Tanner and Sykes, and that's not to detract from their performances, which during this run have been solid. But uh, Sam Bell came on and got another twenty-five minutes to add to the to the to the fifty minutes, forty-five minutes he got on Tuesday. A lot of people were saying that Scott was off. I said on Twitter last night, I thought Naismith and James were a little bit pedestrian. We lacked a little bit of pace in the middle. Um, it, 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 how did do you think Nigel could have made one more substitution or maybe even two? Williams being the classic one to come on and give some mobility. Um, <clears throat> well, to, to to there was a bit in that. So to pick it apart, yeah, I I would have had um, Scott out of there. I don't I don't like I said. I thought we had a quiet game yesterday, uh, both halves. Whereas first half against Birmingham, he was, he was exceptional. Second half, he faded. Uh, so I would have made the substitutions earlier uh, be, because you could see that Blackburn were getting on top and were going to score because we hadn't started the second half that well. Um, we only really started to play after they scored and, and I would have preferred the subs before. And it, it, we were talking about uh, the West Brom game, which is the one coming up, that's the game he could. That's some of the changes he can make. He can start Sam Bell instead of Mark Sykes. He can start Andy King instead of uh, Alex Scott and put Scotty on the bench. Yeah, uh, he can bring Joe Williams in for Matty James or Cal Naismith if he wants. So there, he has got options, even with people going out of the club or being in the land of the banished. There are options. Um, there are options in there. So, uh, that I, uh, yes, yesterday I think he should have made perhaps one more sub, even Joe Williams on in the midfield, it, it, possibly instead of Scotty uh, or Matty James or Cal Naismith. Uh, and, and he made the substitution earlier, uh, Sam Bell on for Mark Sykes. Uh, we haven't got millions of options, but 
we should use the ones that we've got because what's going to happen is we'll play the same team and all of a sudden someone comes in, in for a game and they haven't played much football in a couple of months and lo and behold, bang goes their hamstring. Yeah. So I'd, I'd like to see that in the cup game. As I've said before, I'm not overly worried about the cup games. I, li- I like to see us win games of football, yeah, but the, the league is the absolute priority ahead of the summer reset. Yeah. Okay, I'm talking about players that haven't played a lot of football. He made it onto the bench. Um, one, Thomas, Thomas Callas. Um, good to see him back, Ian. And for your part, yeah, do you think he'll be a starter against West Brom if he's going to shake the lineup up a little bit? Well, I think he might instead play. I think the under-21s have got a game this week. And he might, I guess, in Pearson might give him 45 minutes in that. Uh, half an hour. Uh, they'll they'll be careful. I mean, I saw him warming up by the dolman when I came in, and he was um, he he looked fit. He didn't look a a bit heavy like he did when he uh, was on the subs bench before. And he had a big smile on his face, and um, so I, I think he'll come in if if required. I I I would I if I had to guess, I'd say. He'll probably do 45 minutes for the under-21s. And if he comes through that in fine fettle, then he'll be on the bench, uh, barring injuries, of course. He'll he'll be on the bench uh, for the West game and probably once again another 45 minutes, depending on the state of the game. Yeah. Neil, Callas uh, back in the, the match day 18, I said to uh, my pal who I was at the game with yesterday, it would be a bit disrespectful to Zach Viner if Callas came on and Tanner went off and you pushed Viner out to right back because he's made one of those two central defensive positions in this format uh, his own. And Nigel said pre-match, I don't talk about systems and such like. But, uh, you know, Callas coming back in... how how do you accommodate him? Because you know Viner and Atkinson as a as a twin, they're doing all right at the moment. So and bearing in mind that he did play right back as a member of the Fulham and Middlesbrough promotion team. So you talk about I said earlier about Tanner being a player that you'd want to get somebody a bit better than him. But I say he's done okay. But Callas could play in that right back position, couldn't he? Yeah, somebody who's bemoaned Zach Viner, like uh, everyone's going to have to be Mia Culpa, aren't they, when he gets Player of the Season award at the end of the season? Yeah. Well, we did. I, I did. You know, yeah, we've had yeah, to take no, him I, I did. He always had a mistake in him. Mm-hmm. Always had a mistake in him. And he's, yeah. he's, he's grown as a player. He's hit that point where, you know, for whatever reason, I, I think um, we were speaking about this after the game. And I, 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 I will get back to the callous thing. There is a link to this. But the um, I think the. Uh, thing is he's playing alongside Atkinson who is monosyllabic at the best of times and uh Viner is is able to you know be the confident be the forceful one he's always been playing next to personalities personalities who who are telling him what to do and I think now Viner is at the back with somebody who isn't you know assertive assertive the problem I would have is is having Callas who is like Atkinson, monosyllabic, and doesn't communicate, and well, just Callas didn't want to be captain, captain, did he? Because a lot of people said, no. yeah, it was too much for him, and you know, and he focuses on his own performance and throwing himself around. He's not really too, you know, him playing alongside Atkinson, not quite sure. Whereas 
Viner and Atkinson as a pair, God, they they they've really uh, you know they've they've done well, really well. But yeah. the um, going back to Callas, I can't see his way into a starting lineup at the moment. I think because we've got a game on Saturday and no midweek games. I'm not entirely sure that he's he's not going to go with Viner and Atkinson. The thing about Pearson is he doesn't change winning teams. If he gets a performance out of a team, he's loath to change that team and will always reward the team for the performance. And I think defensively yesterday, we weren't that bad. So if Callas is going to get any minutes, I would say it right back. Yeah, no, that's, that's instead, what I would of, say. instead of Tanner, really. Yeah, and he's played there. He has played there. I mean, it's not his favourite position, but you know, you play there, man, and you do your you do your bit for the team. Tom, you're in a a, a level of football above where your age is, but you know, I know from what your dad says, you know, you're doing really well. You must play alongside players sometimes that have got ten years on you, but you know, you're a better player than them. How do you how do you manage that relationship? between somebody that on experience, you know, you've no right to tell them what position to take up sometimes, but your football knowledge says that's what they should do. Uh, it's about level of respect. Um, you need to respect players who have done their career, but you can't rely on it. Um, respect, so far, but if, if, when players' legs go at a certain age, I mean, we've seen it with Chris Martin this season. He looks, last season, he looked a real force and linking up play this season, he's complete legs gone. Same with Tim Close, I feel. Um, but Callas with me, I remember saying to, to my dad, I, I can't see a Callas and Atkinson back line because who's the communicator in, amongst the two? If we're playing four at the back, you get away with it if we're playing three because you've got Naismith commanding them. And that's if you drop Viner or you move Viner to right wing back. But if you're going to have Callas and Atkinson, there's no communication. I went to Swansea and we were sat um, quite low down, so almost next to the pitch. And the motivation from Viner... He, he's there and he's not berating people. He's really positive uh, in the way he speaks mm -hmm. to people. So he's speaking to Max and he's speaking to Bob and he's speaking to Tanner, who are quite quiet people yeah. uh, on the football pitch. He's not a Naismith who will berate and that little bit bugbear with Naismith, he berates sometimes. But I was really impressed with Viner's leader, leadership and um, I think he's, he's quite positive in that back line, which Atkinson um, So for me, Callas... He would have to go right back, but I also thought that'd be harsh on Tanner because I think Tanner actually has done okay. Um, I think defensively he he's up to it going forward. He's we know Tanner going forward is not. Yeah. And we don't know what Callas and we don't know what Callas would be like. Uh, uh, Callas would be like going forward, but uh, there we go. All right, um, look, we could talk about section A of the Dolmen and how the club handled that last week. I think there has been a better atmosphere. At the two uh, the, the two matches where there has been crowd in the section A, uh, I thought there was a few more in the South Stand yesterday than there was for the Birmingham game. To be honest, although the crowd was less because uh, Blackburn bought about a thousand fans fewer than they did. But look, here we are. It's January the twenty second today, isn't it, Ian? The transfer window. We got another uh, nine days of it. Was it shut a week on Tuesday? Um, Semenyo, it, that looks to be the only viable one. I think Scott is not going to happen. What 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 do you think is in store for the for the coming week? If you could predict or speculate, if, whatever. If, if I had to predict, I would say uh, Semenyo will go out this week. Uh, it's unfortunate his 
Tom said earlier, is the only bloke we've got scoring goals at the moment. Yeah. But uh, we would then have to recruit at least one, if not two, strikers. Now, it doesn't need to be permanent. It can be loans. And we saw the value of a, a, a loan player with uh, Tyler Roberts yesterday for Blackburn. And we've seen it before. And this, I, I wouldn't call it, I, I think it's a bit of a fixation with Pearson about loans and they can backfire. Well, so can permanent signings. Uh, and uh, I, I think we, we would definitely need to at least one, if not two, be remembering that Vyman and Conway are injured. Now, Andy's probably going to be out for another two weeks, going by what Nigel Pearson has said after the game and in press conferences. Um, and Tommy, he said, was worse. Then he confirmed that uh, he'd seen the specialist and he didn't need an operation. Now, the only problem is with that is we've had that with other players before. And then we get the press conference and it's, well, he hasn't made the progress we thought he'd make. Uh, so he's gone to see another specialist. And this time, yes, he is having an operation. We're not going to see him for two or three months. Now, please and then God. He's out for the season, then, effectively. Yeah. So please God, that doesn't happen. And I'm not saying it will. I'm just saying what's happened before. And we've seen it with. George Tanner, we've seen it with Andy King, um, Tom Thomas Callas had a minor procedure, and we haven't, he haven't started a first team game for ten months. So um, I wouldn't hang my hat on what's been said already. So we need, if if he goes out, we need to bring in a couple of forwards. Now one could be permanent, one could be loans. They could both be loans. Don't care, but we need that extra. You can call it competition, quality, whatever you like up front, because if Antoine goes at the moment, we're left with Sam Bell and Naki Wells. Yeah, it's a bit limiting. And, and, well, it, it we'd have to play a lot. We'd have to play foot, real football because you can't just larrup the ball forward. You have to throw balls, good yeah. balls into the channel, not hitting hope. Because, yes, they've got the pace and they can, um, they can both finish. They both know where the net is. But... The, the, the issue that you've got is, well, yeah, but how do they actually, who's going to create these chances? And Pearson said that he wanted a creative midfielder or a maverick. And he also wanted a right side centre-back. So, you know, you could go and get those players if Antoine goes out. Now, it depends on the fee. Nigel Pearson's going to get nothing like all of it. I think he'd be lucky to get half. Looking at our financial situation, yeah. um, and and this year, uh, we we've got about according to uh, Kieran Maguire, price of football, who knows a lot lot more about these things than I do. Um, we've got about twelve million quid worth of leeway this season. Now, if we come at the coming at the next set of accounts in December twenty twenty three, is that when they're due out? Uh, well, the accounts in de will for December 2023 and will be for the year to May 23. Do the maths. If you look at the last three years' losses, 30, 38 million for 21, 22 million for last year. And, you know, I'm, I'm going to say 20 million for this year, right? You know, even yeah. if you take out the 38 million year, because it runs in lots of three, yeah, even if you take that out, Still above, it picks up on your earlier point here that we have a problem in season 23 24 because it's yeah, you can't, 48 you can't million take quid. it out because you can't take it out because it's one in the last three years. That's what I'm saying. But if you said, yeah. well, exactly, so whatever the COVID allowance is.
right? If we, well, do you agree in that we're probably heading for a 20 million loss this year? Well, I don't know. It, it depends if we sell somebody. So let's say we had 12 million quid with the leeway. Let's say we sold um, uh, Semenyo for 12 million, right? Yeah. That, that gives you 24 million quid worth of headway. And then you probably don't lose anything um, at the end of this season, or you might have a small loss. So it, it, it's a difficult one. Now, Alex Scott, um, the, the latest information I have is that he may well sign that new contract. Uh, we don't know what's in it in turn, but I'm, if I was his agent, I would have advised him to get, uh, I would have said to, to first Bristol City, right, well, if you think my client's a £25 million player, we want £25 million player salary, please. And that, if he went to the Premier League, is going to be at least forty grand a week. Yeah. So City won't pay that, I'll tell you that now. No. But let's say he went up from what he's on uh, by four or five times, which is quite likely. Um, then... Will you I make him the highest might... paid player of the club, is what you're saying, Ian? Well, he... he and if he's a... Pre- I... You know, and he would be... And if he's, so say, the best player at the club, who would attract the highest fee... By virtue of that fact, well, the... I'm saying what I'd say if I was his agent. What that makes him, I, I wouldn't care. I wouldn't insist he was the highest paid player at the club. I'd just say, I want a hell of a lot more than he's on now. If you're saying he's worth 25 million, and what I also want is a 25 million buyout clause, unless City get relegated and then that buyout clause goes down to 15, please. Mm. Looking at it, if no, I'm saying if I was his agent, if I'm his agent, I don't give a monkey's about Bristol City. I, I care about my client. So, yeah, and depends what other advice he's getting because we we all know what what agents are like. But okay, so I mean the finance. I mean we can probably take a better view on finances if and when Semenya goes. Let me come to uh, to to uh, Neil um, and the Semenya scenario and how much money Nigel would get. Ian's alluded to one player Blackburn had on loan, and then there was the other one who created the goal, Morton. Yeah, you know, you. It seems to be easier for Northwest clubs to pick players from the immediate locality where there's greater choice. They haven't got to disrupt their lives. But if we go out and get a lone player, or they've got to be half decent, or do we do we buy and what do we buy? And Ian, said, we need a right centre back. Well, do we between now and the end of the season when we've still got we have got a fit Callas and we've got Viner. And Tanner can play there at a push as well on that right side. So, assuming we get, I think, 12 million is the cash figure for Semenyo, how much do you think Nigel would have of that? And what do you think he'd do with it? Well, I think the right centre back with Callas coming back is less, and the form of Viner is less of a priority than it was. Yeah. Um, but I think we need, we need a little bit more in the centre of midfield in the nicest way. We're flogging this. The same two, three players in the in the centre there. Um, what what I heard about Scott yesterday, just to add to what you were saying, is that Wolves offered fifteen million. Scott wanted to go, and we couldn't agree fee. We want more money, so it would make perfect sense. Like Ian was just saying, if he does sign a contract, there's a like a, a Josh Brownhill buyout figure with inside that it's almost like um, the control goes a little bit to the player and the representatives that and if he did sign it he's already made 
comments around the summer, hasn't he? Where he says, um, "I'll consider my options in the summer." So if you say to him, "We'll play, we'll pay you X amount. You control this. You will have your choice as long as they hit this figure," because he's still under contract for two and a half years. And if you're going to mess a kid around for two and a half years on insisting on a valuation which is at odds with what Premier League and the market is actually saying, it's not really fair on him, is it? No. Going back to Semenyo, um, I think that's his last game yesterday. I, uh, looking at Interesting you say that. Was... Interesting you say that, Neil, because Gary Hours said uh, on uh, Jeff Twentyman Radio Bristol last night, he said he looked on the final whistle for indication because sometimes players do an extra wave or maybe throw a, shout, a shirt into the crowd. He didn't do any of that. Um, well, know, it's, not quite, anything... it's not quite like the Joe Bryan one when he was off and he played against Forrest and everybody knew he was off and it was a bit of a strange mm. performance by Joe Bryan that day. But I think we're, we're kind of arguing semantics a little bit with Bournemouth, aren't we? We're, all, we're talking about a couple of million probably. I, yeah. I think their second bid they did eight million, didn't they? And then their yeah. second bid was eight million plus add-ons to take it up to ten. Yeah. You're like, well, looking at their front line yesterday of Kiefer Moore, look, look how many chances they missed against Forest. Really. Well, you'd, he, he he would be an upgrade on Kiefer Moore, but you have to say if it was ten million plus add-ons, right? In the summer, right? He's got six months left, six months less left on his contract. You know, you're better off taking ten million plus add-ons now than. Well, I, I would, I would. Yeah, say, we let I, go. I, I think, you know, I I hate to say it because Semenyo is, when he's on that pitch, Christ, you know, we go back a, a few years, we wouldn't be having this conversation, would we, about Semenyo, no. the way he was. But he makes things happen on the pitch, doesn't he? More than any yeah. other forward for City. There's, there's things At that the happen no, you're around right. him you're right. when he's on the pitch. He's a, he's, a differential, he's a differential player on the pitch and he's going to be very, very difficult to to replace and I think with um actually to his credit Jerry Barton made a very good point earlier on in the season loathe the man but he made a very good point when they were playing in the pizza cup against some Southampton I think it was under 21 side and he said all these premiership clubs they protect their players they don't want to let them out on loans because most of them aren't very good you know they view them as a 10 million pound player and if they shuttle them out to League One or the Championship, people get a look at them and actually see... See them for what they are. See yeah. them for what they are. Not particularly that much better than what we've actually got. I can't think of too many players that I've seen this year. I thought Morton was tidy yesterday, Tyler Morton. Mm. But I can't think of too many other lone players of Premiership that really stood out for me. Nobody like Mason Mount or Harry, whatever his name was, or or even uh, the one who went from Fulham to Liverpool in the summer. Yeah, no, I know what I know what you mean there. And, okay, and, um, and, I, and I think they, I think the Premiership now because they're only allowed. Is there new loan rules? They're only allowed to loan out sort of seven a season or something like that. Tom will know. Might, yeah, it might be. I think I've heard that. Um, Tom, what do you want to see happen in the remaining uh, twelve nine days of the window? Um, <clears throat> I think. We've got to face reality that it is looking increasingly likely that Semenyo is going to go. Um, and you buy our books, we can't spend all that fee that we, we get from. So we're not going to bring in a, if we send for 10 million, we're not going to bring in another 10 million striker. Um, no. So, and if we were to get someone permanently, we'd have to pay over the odds. And we, I'd like to think, <clears throat> post Ashen era, 
we haven't paid over the odds for anyone. Um, yeah. And that is the issue with signing players late on in January, uh, especially a striker. If you want to guarantee championship goals, you're going to have to pay over the odds. So I think a loan would be our best bet, but we all know that Mr. Pearson hates loans with a passion. He's not a fan. Um, so either he faces the problem of, I have to pay over the odds for this player and hope it works and you know it'll be it'll be my player but at what price or you get in a six month loan yeah. uh as, as, and wait till summer I mean the thing time. is the thing is if we banked and as Ian said on Radio Bristol last night you know you might get well you're not going to get 20 million for Semenyo and if it does it comes in in five million chunks it would be really nice to bank 10 million for Semenyo hope we can see it through uh to the end of the season without having the relegation uh, fight. And then, uh, you know, that whole 10 million goes to reducing this year's losses from, as I've predicted, forecasting, 20 million, it halves it if it all comes in in one lump or whether you're allowed to do deferred revenue and blah, 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 like that. Okay, um, I think we're done. Uh, Ian, I know you don't like talking about... uh, our friends at Ipswich Town, but uh, there's rumblings of discontent out there. They've been signing a hell of a lot of players. Have you been following that at all, or not your thing? Not really interested, Dave, to be honest. No. I mean, all right. On a similar subject, similar subject. Please for uh, David Moyes that, that, that they uh, beat Everton yesterday. And as somebody, as uh, Sophie Ridge said on Sky this morning to uh, uh, Cleverly, do you think uh, Zahawi will last... Uh, uh, to Prime Minister's question time on Wednesday. Do you think um, it's curtain for Frank Lampard at Everton, uh, Ian? Uh, no, I don't think so, because the, the fans uh, have turned against the board. Uh, Lampard didn't get a mention. If you look at all the banners, there's nothing having a pop at Lampard because they they feel that they've had uh, a lot of quality managers at Everton. You know, they've had Benitez, they had, blimey, they had Ancelotti. His yeah. next move was Real Madrid. So uh, they seem, I mean, I think they're a little bit possibly misguided having a pop at the owner, uh, Mashiri, or, the, or what they like to call themselves the majority shareholder now, not the owner. Uh, yeah. But, you know, that guy's pumped in just under 500 million. Yeah. Now, what, what they've bought is, quite frankly, been a lot of it has been absolute rubbish. Um, by Premier League standards, they'd be, they'd be mm. great players for Bristol City. I mean, they take us to the t- two or three of them and take us to the top of the league. But yeah, they're not Premier League standard because there's that massive gulf. So, but I mean, you talk about managerial changes in the Championship now. If you include interim guys that have gone in to take over when someone's been sacked, there have been twenty-two changes. There's only twenty-three teams in there. Yeah. So you've had before people saying, "Yeah, well, yeah, some of them left." Yeah, they did. But there's been eleven sackings. Appleton's gone at Blackpool. Yeah. So you've got eleven sackings. Six have uh, resigned, and the the rest are made up of interims. So yeah, it's a bit of a mess. Um, well, but looking at just quickly before we we end, looking at something really important. That's people who are out of contract next season. I think the club, I mean, there's, there was an announcement about Antoine, but I think the club have taken, or I would hope the club have taken up the one-year option on Zach Viner and Max O'Leary. Um, then if you look at the other players there, they, Pearson's mentioned 
we've offered seven and three know where they stand. Was it three or four? He said they know where they stand yeah. and they won't be offered new contracts. So there's 14 out of contract. Five of those have got a one-year option. Um, so it, it's going to be the, perhaps this reset. It, the, if a few of those players sign contracts, I'm thinking Thomas Callas, Jada Silva. Um, if a few of those players sign contracts, A, they'll be on less money. Um, and B, the reset will be less than four, we or, think. Five, four or five players, not 10 or 11. And yeah. I think that would be a really interesting topic to debate. Well, well, we'll have a yeah. Well, there's plenty to debate. Um, Neil, just to finish with uh, with you. Ian Ian doesn't want to talk about Ipswich, and uh, uh, yeah, I can see McKenna being thrown under the bus because there was quite a lot of criticism on the forum yesterday uh, from their game at Oxford, which a lot of people said should have uh, been abandoned. But uh, our other uh, ex-manager, uh, he didn't play yesterday, Dean Holden, but he seems to be doing well. But uh, Big game for Little Lee in the Scottish Cup this afternoon. Are you aware it's Hibs versus Hearts again at, at Hibs? I mean, he's um, he lost the last Edinburgh derby. Do you think it could be curtains for him? It's always a strange move, isn't it, to go up there to manage? It's almost like uh, you have this idea in your mind that you're still a top manager and you're going to go into Scottish leagues. But if he fails at Hibernian, is anybody going to look at him in a championship or a top side in League One? Not really. I think that is. I think he's a little bit deluded. That you never. And who would take the Hibernian job in the nicest possible way? You're always on a hiding to nothing, aren't you? If you think the championship is one-sided, God, the Scottish Premiership's even worse, isn't it? Well, it's been like that you for fifty years. Yeah, yeah. You're, ne <laughs> you're never. You're never going to get anywhere. As you might get into Europe, you might get into the final of something, but. The odds are just massively stacked against you. They only they only ever care against Hearts. The Edinburgh Derby is the only thing really that it's matters to those fans. And what did he lose the last one three 0 didn't he? It was. And then he made up for it with an away win at Motherwell, I think. But then drew at home. Yeah, I, I, following that. Finally, Tom, for you. I mean, I, I'm probably going to watch a bit of football uh, today. Uh, the two standout matches uh, for me. Um, the Teesside derby, Sunderland and Middlesbrough, and then Arsenal, Man United. Uh, I mean, who, who cares about Sunderland and Middlesbrough? But uh, they've done quite well, considering Sunderland just come up and Middlesbrough where they were until uh, Carrick took over. That should be an interesting one, yeah? Yeah, I mean, those two teams, I mean, at the start of the season, you would have, I, I predicted Sunderland to stay up, but Middlesbrough, how poorly did they start under Wilder? And then Carrick yeah. coming and just rejuvenated the squad. I mean, Tuber Atbom, who would have guessed at the start? You would have got amazing odds on him to be the Leeds leading goal scorer. And it's, uh, if you, we look at the Barrett project, I mean, can we apply that to ourselves? Not really, due to finances, but mm -hmm. it, it, it provides a debate about getting a younger manager in with maybe less experience yeah. um, and adds fuel to the fire of Pearson in or out. I think a lot more pe people now are leaning towards in until at least the end of the season. Oh, absolutely. I'd agree with that. And uh, do, you, do you see Arsenal extending their lead back to eight points against uh, Man United at the Emirates? I mean, it's a fantastic opportunity. I mean, with Casemiro missing, ugh, very silly booking, really, against Palace, um, just as he was about to come off. I mean, Arsenal's one loss all season have been uh, away to Man United. So, look, Man United are probably the most informed team in the Premier League at the minute. 
Yeah. Um, so I think that will be a, well, it's a massive game for both teams, really. And yeah, an interesting Man City have their game. Man City's game kicks off uh, a lot earlier. And were they to beat Wolves, uh, who've I've just read have signed uh, Craig Dawson from West Ham, but were Man City to beat Wolves, it puts pressure on Arsenal because they'd be then just two points behind when Arsenal kick off at four thirty. But there we go. Look, this is turning into a general football chat show, which it's not. It's forever. Bristol City podcast. Thank you to everybody who's been uh, listening. I hope we've uh, brightened up uh, your Sunday morning, which is the time this has been recorded. Uh, Ian, Tom and Neil, thank you for your uh, erudite input as always. And we'll be back uh, recording uh, Sunday morning after Saturday's game against West Brom in the FA Cup. Guys, uh, thanks for your contribution. Thanks for listening, everybody. All the best. Cheers now. Bye-bye. Good luck, everybody. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. When the red, red robin comes bob, bob, bobbing along, along, there'll be no more sobbing when he starts throbbing his old sweet song. Oh, wake up, wake up, you sleepyhead, get up, get up, get out of bed, cheer up, cheer up, the sun is red, live, love, laugh and be happy, what if I've been blue, now I'm walking through fields of flowers. Rain may glisten, but still I listen for hours and hours. I'm just a kid again, doing what I did again, singing a song. When the red, red robins are bob, bob, bobbing along. When the red, red robin comes bob, bob, bobbing along, along. There'll be no more sobbing when he starts robbing his old sweet song. Oh, wake up, wake up, you sleepyhead. Get up, get up, get out of bed. Cheer up, cheer up, the sun is red. Live, love, laugh and be happy. What if I've been blue? Now I'm walking through fields of flowers. Rain may glisten, but still I listen for hours and hours. I'm just a kid again, doing what I did again, singing a song. Red, red, round, and start bobbing along.